And we're live. What's going on, Casey? Hey, what's up, Landon? Thanks for having me on your uh, podcast. It's uh, absolutely like I mentioned earlier. It's great to be on your on your maiden maiden voyage here. Maiden voyage, man. Into the podcast world. (laughs) Absolutely. So when uh, when did you decide to join the amazing profession of sales? Oh yeah. So I've I've got a long long history of. I, I guess I would call it like entrepreneurial spirit. Um, but, it, you know, it, it all started kind of around like 2006, 2007. Uh, my, my first job was at a, uh, at a JCPenney. And I'll, I'll never forget it. Do you, do you guys have JCPenney's out in the like Detroit area? Oh, yeah. Here, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's, a, it's a nightmare. It's, it's, I mean, everybody should have, you know, retail as their first job at, at the yeah. very least. It, it really kind of grounds you. But that that first job, I, I was hired as a temp um, during the holiday season. So Christmas season, I was folding sweatshirts and stuff with like folding tables <laughs> at like merchandise, you know, tables. So they would literally just position me around the store and say, hey, Casey, like, why don't you uh, just start folding these, these sweatshirts <laughs> and then you just sure. put them back on the table. And then someone just comes over inevitably and just messes up your entire table and you just <laughs> right. do it again. You just keep folding. You just keep going. So it's like at a very young age, you know, I, I kind of learned uh, patience and kind of trusting in the process that the work would eventually get done, but maybe just not, you know, during my shift, it's like learning to kind of let go. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, That's hilarious. That makes that. sense. Cause I always, yeah, I've never worked in retail or worked in, you know, clothing in any way, but yeah, it makes sense. Like I've definitely gone up to one of those, you know, you pull up the shirt, you see if it fits, you throw it back down, you know, then you yeah. do it to another one. So yeah, then yeah, one, you know once that... four or five more people do that. I mean, the whole thing's probably wrecked, you know? Oh, exactly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that guy who's like standing there with the folding table next to you, watching you destroy the, the display that that was me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to notice that person next time I'm in the store. I'll be like, okay, he's the one that's upset now. Yeah. Well now, you know, anytime I go into like a department store or something, you know, you best believe I'm like folding things when I like pick them up, you know, versus like throwing them down. Just out right. of like respect for, for like the workers, you know? So you it's, started at JCPenney, but were you, did they yeah. get you on sales at some point there? No, no. So I never, I never left being a temp at, at JCPenney. So, so I just left. They wanted to have me on full time, but I was just like, oh my gosh, thanks for the experience, but that was brutal. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> yeah. going to move on. And uh, <laughs> I, during high school, uh, I, was a, I was an avid runner. I, I still am. I ran cross country and, and track um, in high school. And so running was kind of like, you know, a passion of mine at, at that moment in time. And so I, I got a job at a small specialty running store called Runner's High here in Long Beach. And I fit, you know, people for, for running shoes, essentially like high-end running shoes and, and running apparel and yeah. kind of became like a, almost like a fitness coach meets, you know, retail, you know, employee, you know, people kind of entrust in in you and, and ask you training tips and and stuff and you're kind of there to answer questions because you're out there you know living the life it's only runners that work at places like these you know right and uh that's kind of what what sparred my interest in uh in like the industry in general like the footwear industry was starting and in, at a specialty running store um 
the guy I worked for, his name was Tom Lacey. And Tom kind of taught me all of these, these values of like, you know, what it is to be a good manager, you know, of a store. Like he, he would always tell me, you know, Casey, you gotta, when you're looking out at the store, you got to play zone defense. You know, you got to be folding clothes. You got to be tending to people, asking them if they're okay. You got to be making suggestions. Never, you know, come out of that back room, you know, empty handed, you know, always have something in your hands, you know, don't, don't fidget with your hands. Don't look awkward. You know, there's all these yeah. little things that he kind of like instilled in me that I, I still, you know, it's ingrained like in my DNA now. Like I, I can't even walk into a store in my current job without like having something in my hand or like something to give, you know, like an employee or something. It's, yeah. Uh, and probably, probably too. I imagine I've never worked in store setting like that, but I imagine like, don't just, don't just stay back, like be actively yeah. doing things, you know, like whether it's going to talk to the customers or whatnot. Cause I feel like some people, they might just want to kind of like hang back and kind of like hide away from the environment, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There was, I kind of had a, a goal, you know, like he, he gave me these goals uh, to, to obtain like in the store. And if I hit that goal, he would pay me with some cash, like under the table. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, so I would always be pressing for these goals and that's kind of where I, I learned to hard sell, you know, for the first time, you know, when, when you're making these suggestions with, you know, customers and, and you're helping them get really cool gear, you know, you could be talking about anywhere between a $120 running shoe all the way up to, you know, $320 running shoe. And that was like back in, you know, 2000, like, gosh, 2008. And so now that would be even more money. Um, but, but then it yeah. was like a ton of money, you know, and there was, that was kind of unheard of, but, you know, if I was hitting $500 in the day, I was getting like 10% you know, after that of whatever I sold. So at the very least, I was like, you know, having these thousand dollar, you know, $1,200 days. And then sometimes on weekends, I would even get these like $800 transactions. So I was just like banking it, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from, the, from the beginning there. That's crazy. I didn't realize that you can make that much money selling running shoes like that. Yeah. You know, it, that's incredible. It's, it's a small business, you know, so they can kind of do what they want. Whereas like, if you're at like a big store, like a, you know, Foot Locker or something, you're just part of the, the corporate cog, you know? Yeah. 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 So yeah. what were the incentives? Like, like he would say, if you sold X amount of money, I'll give you how much, like, what were kind of like some examples of those? Yeah. So it, it would be like, he would say, I'll give you, you know, 10% of whatever you sell after you hit 500 bucks for the day. So, you know, uh, and that was under the table. Yeah. And that was all okay. on the table. So it was untaxed and everything. So, well, <laughs> yeah, never mind. I don't want maybe, to, maybe untaxed, <laughs> maybe, maybe untaxed, maybe not untaxed. Yeah. 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 yeah may or may not have been. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, <clears throat> um, at my job, they give us cash incentives. Um, sometimes I don't, I definitely know no one, I don't know. No, no one's paying taxes on the cash incentives. I don't think unless yeah. unless you i don't know how much cash incentives you need to make before like you would even have to do something like that but i actually right. got this one cash incentive um at my mortgage job which was pretty cool it was the first so they tried to get everyone to come back into the office because everything went remote 
And then when everything went remote, everyone's like, oh, I like this way better, right? That's what a lot of people thought. And mm -hmm. then they also just hired a ton of people during the COVID time period. So mm -hmm. yeah. you couldn't really, the, a lot of the people they were bringing in didn't even know what the office was like at all because they were all just started out remote. So they all were just used to that. So then to be like, hey, by the way, we need everyone to come in was kind of hard to get everyone in. Oh, sure. Yeah. So then they were like, hey, we want everyone to come in now that the vaccine's out. So I was one of the people that went in and my boss was like, all right, first person to get um, first person to get two sales in one day gets 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I didn't even think twice about it. Like I was like, oh, I probably won't get it. And then randomly I popped two, and I was like, I think I got the prize. Nice. <laughs> so I went up to the, to my boss. I was like, I think I won that prize. So that was, nice. that was definitely my biggest cash, cash uh, incentive I've ever won. It makes it fun, you know, to, to have these, these kind of challenges and stuff in front of you. Like it keeps things fresh and, and keeps it lively. You know, yeah. it, it, it turns your kind of, like monotony daily monotony of, of your day into something like worthwhile because at least you put your mind to it you know yeah I love that kind of thing yeah so when you say you learned how to hard sell because mm -hmm. of this um what do you mean by that yeah yeah so you know nobody left that store without making a purchase and and that was you know a, a, a point of pride you know for me um, even the people who were, you know, oh, I'm just looking. If, if you're able to, you know, speak to certain technology of, of footwear and other things when, I, I don't know, if you listen to the customer and they say, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a runner. It's like, oh, have you checked this out? This is called the Nike Vomero. It's one of the most highly cushioned shoes on the market right now. And it might even be the most cushioned shoe ever made. Why don't you try this on? And, you know, I'll check in with you in a little bit. So they tried the shoe on and it's, it was so comfortable. It was so soft that most people were buying this shoe and it was 150 bucks at the time. It was a lot of money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're also using a, a sock, you know, that we, you know, lent to them because they came in with, you know, a pair of sandals on or something because it was right on the beach. And so this, this sock that we loaned to them, it was actually a sock that we sold it's called features. And uh, they're just incredibly, incredibly soft synthetic socks. And they're so experience-based. They're almost like, I don't know if you've had like bamboo clothing or like something really, really soft, like around your foot, but it's like super luxurious, like, you know, PJs, you know? Yeah. yeah um, okay. So when you put on something like as soft as that, you're just like, oh my gosh, like these two things together are the most comfortable things I've ever had. I'm going to buy a sock. I'm going to buy a shoe. And then, you know, and then something else, like they might need another pair of laces or, you know, maybe some apparel. And that yeah, was like yeah, the yeah. fun part is, oh, you know, I, you told me earlier that you're marathon training. Like, what about those early mornings? Do you ever think about like just getting a, you know, a shell to, to put on like a, just a light, you know, windbreaker or something and, you know, windbreakers 200 bucks, you know, like, so it just starts adding up, <laughs> you know, and you just keeps, it just keeps going. So you know, it's like a thousand dollars by the end of it. Yeah, exactly. There was one, so there was one transaction one time. Um, I don't, I don't know who this guy was, but he just was just like, yeah, I'll take a shoe. I'll take, you know, a windbreaker. I'll take a you know, pair of socks. I'll take a pair of laces. Let me get a pair of shoes for my wife. Let me get a couple of pairs of shoes for my kids. It was like, and it ended up being like an $8,000 transaction. 
and and so I just like that day I like went home and and I was like hey I'm I'm gonna go to Vegas (laughs) I'm gonna go gambling because man like I I had a lot of cash to spend in my pocket so you just drove there from LA yeah yeah exactly Mm mm-hmm and um, so, so after that, that's really where I got kind of like my base knowledge of like how to operate a retail store. I got really, really uh, in tune with how things work, you know, and how ordering works on the back end and kind of all the brands that people are looking for. And so um, a really good friend of mine, I met him at Runner's High, um, which is the, the business that I was just talking about. Um, he said, well, why don't we, why don't we try this together? Why don't we open up a spot where, you know, we, we do this exact same thing. We sell running shoes, but maybe on the other side of Long Beach and, you know, you and I can do this really well. We know everything there is to know at this point. Like we've learned everything. I was like, that's, that's a pretty good idea, but you know, I don't have, you know, any money like to invest. I'm at that, at that point, I was like 22, 21, 22, somewhere around there. No, no, not even. I was, I would have been 19. I was 19 years old and I was still in school at the time too. And so I just had no money, you know? And so we, uh, we actually ended up getting, um, cause he was a really good coach. He was like a professional running coach. And that was kind of his background on what, what brought him to running shoes. And so he ended up getting a club sponsored by Adidas and Adidas donated like 16 or 17 pairs of shoes to his, his running club that he had going, but he only had two runners in this running club and Adidas didn't know. And he was like, Hey, look, you guys sent me like 16 shoes, but I only needed two. And they're like, well, you know, just keep them. And so we're like, all right, well, like, let's, let's sell these things and, and gain some capital because they're really expensive shoes to start getting some capital going. And then we can, we can make our first, you know, lease payment, like on a, on a shop, you know, after we sell through these shoes, you know, and so he got a loan from his parents and then uh, we ended up selling through these shoes. And with that capital that we generated from, from all the Adidas, um, we were able to open up with several other brands inside of us. So we got Brooks, we got a brand called Hoka at the time. We got like a few others. So when you were were able to offer. Sorry, when you were just selling the Adidas, like people would walk into the store and there's literally one shoe on the shelf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were, we were actually. It it's was, like we've been we waiting selling, for you to find this one shoe. On we the were shelf. selling mostly like word of mouth. You know, like he was bringing in his student athletes and stuff, and like, oh yeah, you know, we don't have much at the moment, but why don't you try Adidas? It's it's really the brand that we trust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we ended up flipping enough, you know, Adidas to get to get some capital going to fund all the other brands that we ended up bringing in, and they actually gave us really generous credit limits. So we were just borrowing against our our names at that point. Um, that fortunately enough, it wasn't against my name; it was against his. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so so it was you and him as partners, and uh-huh. then you guys would both work the store and sell together, basically in the store, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. That'd be exactly. fun. And we did that for about five years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just finally ran out of money. <laughs> After five years, we just had to close it up. You know? That is not how I thought this story was ending. 
I know. So the I whole know. thing closes <laughs> up. I thought this. I thought you were gonna say this, and this is my job to this day. So the whole thing closes up. But I know yeah, you still yeah. sell running shoes now. So what happened after yeah. you closed up shop? Yeah. So I ended up getting picked up by a competitor. Um, they're called a Snail's Pace, and they're an uh, they're a Orange County based run shop. And uh -huh. I worked there for a couple of years. Um, but in the time where I was working at a snail's pace, there was lots of, it was such a big store that there were like constantly just reps, you know, coming through the door and just like, you know, hanging out with us and, you know, saying, oh, by the way, you know, you guys have this product coming in because, you know, somebody else was buying the product, you know, elsewhere, but it was just coming into the store, you know. And so they would come in and educate us. And anyway, I, I had a friend of mine, his name is Jack. And Jack used to be the rep for this brand called Newton. And it was a, it was a really cool brand that I, that I liked. And I was kind of pioneering that brand at, at my store and, and when I had my own business. And Jack, at that point, he had left Newton and he was with this kind of startup brand that had this really unique foam that absorbed more impact than typical like rubberized performance foam. And so they're using it as like a recovery shoe after running. And mm -hmm. it was a proprietary secret foam. And so they called it Ooh Foam because it was like, Ooh, you know, like yeah, experience yeah. foam. And so they were making it into sandals and he was like, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm moving on, you know, from UFOs. I, I got this opportunity with another brand called On. And I, you know, I think you'd be a great guy for this job. You know, you're so well read on product within this store. You know, you, you're really friendly. You know, people know you, you know, because you've been around the industry now with your own business and, and all this stuff. And so why don't you jump on with these guys and stick around for a couple of years, learn some stuff, and then, you know, jump from there. So I ended up jumping in with, with UFOs. And at that point, they were right out of startup. So it was really exciting. There was like 10 employees in the entire company. And I was covering basically everything um, west of the Mississippi. So I was, I was driving to, you know, Texas and Oregon and Washington and uh, like Arizona and, you know, any, anywhere in between there, um, even like Oklahoma and stuff like that. And I was educating retail stores that carried our product on how to actually sell it. And it was kind of like, it's a crazy job because that kind of job doesn't really exist outside, you know, the footwear realm where you just go into a store not to sell something, but to educate the retail staff on how to sell it. You yeah. Know, I was yeah. like a component of sales at that point, more of like a, like a marketing leg, you know? And yeah. it was a lot of fun, you know, I, I learned, uh, I, I probably learned the most in, in that job because I was covering such a wide expanse of retail stores and talking to so many different owners from these different retail stores. And, you know, you'd be amazed at, you know, how much similarity there is on what, what people want to do, you know, what owners, you know, want to do with their goals and where, kind of they see their business going but it was never versus what works yeah exactly it was but it was never online you right know, nobody was talking about online back then nobody was like saying you know this is this is going to be the future amazon was just kind of like oh you know 
Amazon is like a big hairy beast, you know, and and it's you know taken away some sales, but it's really not anything of my concern. <laughs> yeah. And now, you know, you know, you know now, like it's just like that's where you buy shoes is like Zappos and Amazon. <laughs> so when you so when you would go there, was it that these companies would pay you to come to train the staff? Is that what it was? Or was it just that your company wanted you to go so they could get more sales? So you, so they would yep. end up ordering more product of yours? It was the latter. So okay. um, I was employed by UFOs at the time. I was a salaried man and I made just a consistent paycheck, but it was my job only to educate retail staff at stores that carried that our product at the time. Right. So a sales rep who, uh, they're all, all the sales reps at UFOs were 1099, um, you know, independent sales reps. And so they would, you know, sell these retail stores, the product, and then they would weaponize me and say, Hey, we've got this tech rep. You know, if you buy our product, I can send this tech rep in and we can educate all your staff. Um, and so it was kind of like a, like an incentive, you know, like you buy UFOs, you're going to get this guy who comes and tells you how to sell it. And he's going to run sales contests with your team and he's going to be super fun. And, you know, yeah, he's, got yeah. a, he's got a car that says UFOs on it. It's super cool, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I did that for a couple of years um, until uh, I got approached by that agency that was actually the official sales agency of UFOs. And they were like, hey, listen, we've got a guy who just left Southern California. Why don't you join us? But it's gonna be you know, 1099 sales. You're gonna be an independent sales rep. You know, all the expenses are on you. You know, all the gas is on you. Like everything is on you, but you get paid you know, for what you ship. And I, I had a really nice list of accounts and, and one of them was actually Zappos. And, you know, that, that's a big account out in Vegas. And uh, it, it, was, it was super interesting because at the time, Zappos was not like a big entity. You know, nobody was thinking, you know, COVID was going to happen or this, you know, virtual uh, boom where you know nobody's buying running shoes anymore inside retail stores is going to happen like that was not in anyone's mind but um all of a sudden you know everything just started kind of going digital slowly you know and and i started reaping all the benefits because i was shipping more and more you know product for, to, to zappos so it became my biggest account you know um and it, it was it was a great experience because I got that was like my first time really getting exposure to an account as big as like Zappos was. Um, and so I, I kind of took that knowledge again, just gathered it up and, and used that entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit. And I just kind of started looking for other opportunities because I was just kind of feeling like my role was stale, you know. And so it brought me to my new, my new gig. I've got a new gig with a really well-known hiking brand. Um, I'm still 1099, so I'm an independent sales rep, but it's a really reputable hiking brand, um, boot, boot brand, and then a running shoe line. Um, I don't want to say their names, but um, they're, they're a, a couple of title brands. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty fortunate in that way. And 
it's been great. You know, I get to talk to the same people I've been talking to just with different brands. You know, I've been in this territory for, you know, 10 years now talking to the same people. So now at this point, everyone knows me. It's like, it's like, I'm, I'm at the cheers bar, you know, like yeah. where everybody knows your name kind of thing. Right. You know? Right. Right. So, so it's been a crazy ride. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. For you to stay in one industry for so long. Um, I mean, I feel like that's the way to do it in terms of that's how you get all those connections. That's how you start learning so much about the product. Cause your, your product knowledge is so like dense, you know? Mm. Yeah. Gotta be. It, it's pretty specialized, you know, like if you, if you wanted me to talk about, you know, uh, shoot, I don't know, snowshoes. I would, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know snowshoes. I know, I know running shoes really well. I could literally like break down a running shoe for you, Yeah. but you know, and what goes into it or like a hiking boot, you know, or something like that. But like outside that, you know, my knowledge is like so specialized. It's, it's pretty funny. Cause I'm just like, pigeonholed into this industry that's so small and everyone just knows each other but i'm yeah. so fortunate you know to be able to you know stick around this and, and keep doing this thing so um, when I, I was oh, gonna sorry because uh you know with covid a lot of people you know a lot of people lost their jobs you know that were inside sales people that were making salaries you know companies were were just cutting them loose because they're just like we can't pay salaries if you're not doing your job if you're not going into stores we can't you know keep paying a salary you know and so fortunately with me you know i don't make a salary i just get paid on what i'm shipping so i'm a little bit more i guess employable and desirable because you know like it if you were you know if you were brand x you know like would you want to pay during when all the stores are closed would you want to pay a guy, you know, $50,000 a year and every month, you know, he's making, you know, I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm so bad at math. X amount a month, you know, or would you rather have, you know, someone who is only getting paid on what they ship? Because the alternative, when you get paid with only what you ship, you know, that's, you know, if, if we're shipping $100,000, they're getting $100,000 but we're making 10% of that, you know? Yeah. At the end of the day, like, yeah, exactly. Like everything is in transit. Like you just got a hundred thousand dollars and you're just giving me a teeny tiny little cut of that, you know? Right. Right. When you were, um, when you were doing the, the gig where you were going to the other shops and training, Mm -hmm. what were like the main, or what were just some things that stuck out to you that you would see from the sales reps that like, you know, you would see them doing wrong often in terms of like, you know, sales ability. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys, they had massive, massive territories. And so the, uh, it was kind of the, the geography was going against them. You know, if, if somebody has to travel, you know, 800 miles, you know, within, within their territory to visit every one of their stores, that means they're going to only see a store like maybe once a year or just not at all. They're just going to phone it in and just be like, Hey, this is, you know, Pete, the local sales rep for this brand, you know, I'm uh, just checking in. <laughs> but a lot of these guys, they had these, these territories so large that they weren't able to actually go and visit. So when I would go, you know, from, from my home and go and visit someone in, in Portland, you know, I live in LA, 
like when I would go and visit someone in Portland and then he lives in, you know, Spokane or, or Portland or whatever it is. Like, I'd be like, what's your excuse? You know, I came from LA <laughs> to yeah. go visit these guys. You know, you can't, you can't get out of bed and just make it one day to go see them, you know? So, so you, you think, know, not, do you think in person is like, you know, something that was like really important to you that you would see people doing wrong is they would just do phone calls. Oh yeah. 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 Really? Okay. And, in, in this role, in the, in the footwear industry, it's so crucial to get the FaceTime with these owners yeah. because they're teeny tiny little stores. And a lot of the times the owners are actually on the sales floor making sales as well. And so you don't necessarily get their full undivided attention you know, on the phone because you're not in front of them. If you go and physically see them, you know, they'll make time for you. They'll sit down with you. They'll get the face-to-face contact, that human contact. And it's actually proven to be more transactional in, in my experience. Yeah. And so I, I make it a point. Yeah. I make it a point in, in making that face-to-face connection, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. The, uh, so much of it, so much of everything's gone, especially during COVID it's gone virtual, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's probably a lot less of that. I imagine now, now I guess you got the zoom calls, but. Yeah. I've got a question for you. So how, how is COVID affected the mortgage industry that's a good question i mean i guess definitely more remote workers um to say the least like mm-hmm. at least our company it used to be you know if you didn't live in the city you weren't going to be working for the company but now it's like it's a national company employees all over just re- working remote so that'd be mm-hmm. the biggest thing we have way more employees because of that you know, because if you're if you're constrained to one geographical location for where you're going to get your employees, mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot less employees. So you'll be a lot smaller. So once you can go national, yep. it's like, I mean, they probably quintupled in size or something like that after COVID. So, oh, I bet. Yeah, I bet. So that means you guys have been pretty booming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things yeah. have been booming. Um, I think. I could be wrong on this, but I think there might be more competition possibly because if there's more employees, it's like, we're not the only company that got so many more employees mm-hmm. because of this. So all the other companies are you know, going remote as well. So they're able to hire a lot more too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's probably more competition, but I'm not sure. Oh yeah. I'm not sure. Cause yeah. I wasn't in it before COVID. I got in during COVID. Okay. So I don't know. Okay. That's what I would assume though. Yeah, yeah, because I heard this one lady that works at the office and she was like, she was saying like, yeah, nowadays, like, just crazy how many people are calling our borrowers. And I was like, I thought that was normal, because that's all I've known is like, you know, there's so much competition, you're just always competing with like, three people, four people minimum per person you're trying to sell. So you're trying to sell them. And there, there's so much competition, at least in the type of mortgages I do, that like they're getting calls while you're talking to them from other reps. There, that's how many people are calling them. Right, right, um, right. It's insane. So, yeah, a lot that, of that's actually pretty similar with what you know what I do. You know, it, I'm I am one or you know two brands, and then you know other brands are trying to sell to that same retail store, but yeah. that retail store only has so much open to buy you know, for spending. And so we're all competing for that open to buy dollar, you know? Right, right, right. 
you know, so it's a kind it, you know, it's, it's amazing how sales are sales, you know, regardless of how, how you cut it, you know, every industry, every different job, you know, at the end of the day, it's about moving the needle and making the sale, you know, yeah. but, but it all kind of unites us and all, we all have that same shared experience, that same frustration with, you know, customers and, and, you know, having to be, you know, part-time customer service and also a sales rep and, you know, right. also a financial consultant, <laughs> you know, and, and kind of talk, talk people Therapist. off the ledge sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's, know. that's the thing too, like with the meme page that I run, mm-hmm. it's across, it's like, you know, people follow it from all different types of industries, but everyone gets the joke because it's like, we're all dealing with the same problems in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. So we're all dealing with the same frustrations and the same, you know, issues. So when mm-hmm. I, you know, everyone gets the joke, everyone gets the joke. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's an interesting profession to go into. Like the, I, I, I often ask myself, like, why did I choose this? It's so odd. Um, <laughs> it's just an odd choice, it's, you know? No, it's not odd. It makes sense. Like you're, you're moving high dollar amounts. Like that, that's exciting. That's like Wolf of Wall Street kind of stuff, you know? Well, I guess not. I don't mean mortgages. Any stocks, right? I don't mean mortgages in specific. I mean, just like sales. Like the fact that I just never got out of sales. Like I basically have just been in sales since I was a a kid, basically since I was 18, really. I haven't really done anything else. Um, It's just interesting. Like I was thinking about it today. how all of us know it's kind of these numbers game. It's kind of like a numbers game. So like for my sale, for instance, if you talk to 10 people and you close one of them, that's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. So that means there's nine people that could have told you like a bunch of different things. Like maybe three of them were super rude. And then another three of them were just like really confused why you were calling them. And then another three of them were just like, neutral about it you know so then you're having these nine weird interactions for the one good one that ends up getting you paid and it's it's interesting that we would choose you know to go through something like that yeah yeah i know i know at at, at this point you know with like with us you know our experience is compounded and it's made us more employable in the sales profession yeah you know and because how long we've been in it you know, and I guess that's just, that's just me. I, I can speak to, but you know, it's like experience compounds and it's hard to do something, you know, new, you know, and, and get out into something new, even if it's something that you had a passion for. Cause it's like, you know, what got you into sales in the first place? It was like, you know, mine, mine was like a lie. It was like, Oh, I, I had a, you know, gardening, you know, service, self-employed gardening service to get my job at you know, JC Penny or, <laughs> or whatever it was. But it's like, at, at a certain point, we get ourselves into the sales role. And then we just that snowball, you know, starts to roll down the hill, you yeah. get more and more experience, and you're more and more well, well read, you know, and, and people trust you, because of how long you've been selling. Yeah, you know, but but if you were to talk, you know, marketing or, or something, people would look at you like you're like you're strange, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Once you start walking a path, that starts becoming your path at a certain point, you know? 
Mm -hmm. Um, I actually had a funny experience with that with, so I was living in Utah, Mm -hmm. which is where I'm from. And I was selling insurance. I think I was telling you a little bit about the place I was working for the, this insurance agency, but I started really not wanting to work there anymore. And, um, basically started, I had a, I had a degree in marketing. Funny that you mentioned marketing before this, but I have a bachelor's in marketing, but I was doing sales all through college as like part-time gigs or whatever, um, sales gigs or full-time really. But, um, I stayed in sales after college, even though I had the degree in marketing. So I never walked the marketing path at all. You know, I got the degree, but didn't do anything with it. Meanwhile, all the people I graduated with just started walking that path. You know, like I remember when it came time to get like internships and stuff, everyone was like, of my classmates was like going for these like specific internships and, you know, they're trying to propel themselves down that pathway or down that, you know, down that road to do the marketing thing. And I was just like, oh yeah, like I I wasn't really doing that because I just plan on going, saying it to sales. So then I'm, I'm selling the insurance and I did that for years. Um, because like during college I was doing it and I did it for like maybe two years after college or something like that. So I did it for a while. Um, and then it came to a point where I was like, I don't want to work doing this. I didn't want to work for the specific company I was with anymore. Mm. And so I was like, okay, what should I do? So I ended up actually sending my resume as like for marketing because Mm. I was like, well, let me just like reverse you know, this path and go do the marketing path. Like, let me reverse Mm -hmm. all the sales path and try the marketing one. Mm -hmm. But it's like what you said, it's like, they look at you, like you haven't been walking the marketing path. Like they look at you like, dude, do you know how many people were interviewing that have been doing marketing? Like they're very obviously going down a marketing pathway. And then you come in and it's so obvious that you were doing something else down a whole nother sales trajectory. And they're just kind of like, why are you here? You know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, that was that was my experience trying to like go into something different. Like once you start walking a path, that kind of becomes it. I mean, you can jump into other things, but yeah, once you start walking a path, that kind of starts becoming the the career choice, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the funny so, thing. So what brought you into like mortgages? Where so you you did you did life insurance, and then after life insurance was what. It was actually home and auto insurance, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so it was, it was home and auto insurance, actually not Got life, Got it. but, um, it was, it was insurance for a mortgage company. So the people would start getting their mortgage. And then at that time, that's when I would reach out and say, Hey, I know you're doing the mortgage, um, mm-hmm. get our home insurance as well. So mm-hmm. it's pretty easy sale. Like it was pretty warm leads because already working kind of with your company. We were a sister company. Mm-hmm. but uh but yeah so it was a warm sale um which i liked that's one that's probably one of the biggest things i missed about that company was just like having these super warm leads that was kind of fun yeah. um but so do you ever uh did you ever get experience with your current mortgage uh business through talking to mortgage mortgage different mortgage business for the mortgage insurance like what would uh Maybe what exposed transfer. you to yeah yeah what exposed you to your current uh, lawyer yeah well you're seeing you're seeing the loan officers 
um, working with their clients and then you're working with the same clients, but you're just trying to give them insurance, but you're both working with the same person. Mm -hmm. Um, but then when the transactions all said and done, they make like 10 times more than you do as the insurance guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that yeah. was always the thing is I was seeing them make so much more cause you just make so much more in mortgages than in, in insurance, at least the insurance I was doing. Um, mm. you make, you make so much, if you're the loan officer on a mortgage transaction, you make such a higher rip on that transaction. Cause you're getting a percentage of the loan amount and there are these big loan amounts. So mm -hmm. you make a lot more. So I was always seeing that. I was like, wanted to do it. Um, and then funny enough, I actually put something out on my meme page one day. Uh -huh. Cause I was like trying to find a job trying to go down this marketing path. It wasn't really working, working. And then also just sending my resume to do other sales jobs. Nothing was really panning out. So I go on my page um, and I post something like, does anyone know anyone hiring? And I just started getting hit up with people saying like, yeah, my place is hiring, yada, yada. And I was ready to nice. leave Utah too. So this one guy hit me up um, from the, from the meme page. And he's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I work for a mortgage company. It's, um, it's going to be in Detroit and send me a resume. So I sent it, got the interview. And then I was taking off across the country within about three weeks after that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It all moves quick, you know, when you yeah. get that opportunity. Yeah. You, you moved like across the country. I mean, that's, that's a big, that's a big haul. Yeah. How was it's that crazy. like culture wise? Did you, is there any different like culture in, in working in Detroit, like versus working in Utah? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot more swearing in the office. <laughs> um, like a lot, a lot of people will be swearing in the office. Um, <laughs> yeah. Among other things, there's a lot of differences. Um, the people here are real cool though. Very, very cool people here. Um, cool. but a lot of it's been remote cause I was only in office for a little while cause now we're right. back actually in our homes again cause the new strain. So we're all kind of back oh, right. remote, but, um, yeah, one thing too, is like, I kind of got here in COVID and I didn't know anybody. So I was working just like a lot, like I was probably working like anywhere from like 60, like 75 hour weeks. Wow. Craziness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, just selling mortgages in my apartment. Didn't really know anybody. The mm -hmm. money, the money was been incredible though. Um, I bet. Which has been cool, but yeah. 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 That's me here. I bet. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a business where if you really, you know, sunk your teeth in like that, you would really get, you know, the benefit from, from your diligence and, and your hard work, even if you extended your hours. Is that, is that about right? Yeah. Yeah. It's something where it's an industry where like, if you, if you fully commit, the money definitely starts coming. Mm -hmm. yeah the money starts coming like i probably from when i lived in utah till now i probably forex my income uh -huh. so like when you think about that when it goes from like one income that i'm living off of to four times that income you kind mm -hmm. of have to like be like what am i going to do with the money you know what i mean which has been kind <laughs> yeah. of like since i got here it's kind of like well what should i do with the money it's so much more than what i was used to um yeah so great, that's great been an interesting, have. yeah, that's been an interesting thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's been cool. It's been nice. way cool. So nice. Yeah. I mean, you know, it sounds just to go back to, you know, my point, like what, what's it like 
you know, working in, in COVID and the, in the mortgage industry, it, it's like what I'm, what I'm hearing in speaking with like other sales professionals and sales reps of, across, you know, multiple different industries is it's feast or famine, you know, like some guys it's like, it's like nothing, like everything's closed and they're not getting any money, you know, and then other guys they're like more busy than they've ever been in their entire life. And they're just reaping all the benefits from people, you know, spending more and, and kind of working, you know, more from home. So they're exposed to, you know, more marketing from, you know, certain other agencies and, you know, the, the average consumer is spending more, you know, now during COVID in, in my profession. And so it's been, you know, feast on, on my end, you know, just like the footwear industry, but it sounds like that's like the same with you. Yeah. 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 I think that ours, well, yeah, ours would be due to COVID. Um, Cause when COVID happened, that's when the interest rates went really low. When the interest mm-hmm. rates went really low, everyone just started refinancing their house. Right. Um, so that's why there was this huge boom in business for mortgages uh, was because the interest rate going so low. Yeah. So wish I would have got in then. Cause I got in way late i kind of got in as things were slowing down um but but yeah basically i would agree with that some it's feast or famine right now mm-hmm. yeah definitely no doubt so no doubt well cool man cool cool thank you so much for coming on oh we'll thanks to, for having me landon yeah absolutely we'll have to do it again um it'd be cool if i could find there might be other foot footwear salesman on my page so that'd be cool if we could have like like another guy come on that sells footwear and then there could yeah. kind of be um a little bit of a vibe there so yeah who yeah, knows yeah maybe, maybe someone will listen to this that that sells footwear and we could have a three three call so i know yeah we'll have people sound off and and talk about um if they're in you know if they're in a similar industry or, or something and we can uh we can all vibe together yeah, <laughs> yeah. well sounds good man Well, yeah, stay in touch and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Yeah. Thanks again for having me, Landon. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. See ya.